Hello and welcome to Violin Class. I'm Julia, a violinist and violin teacher, and this is the podcast for anyone who's learning the violin as an adult. Since I'm a classically trained violinist, I mostly talk about classical violin here on the show, but a question that I get a lot is about exploring other styles of violin playing, which is why I've invited Matt Holborn of the Jazz Violin Podcast to join me today. I will warn you, we get very, very nerdy in our discussions of music theory and jazz scales in here, but I promise for those of you that are just starting out, we do tie it all back in in the end. We'll be covering what a career as a professional jazz violinist looks like, but also what a violinist can do if they're interested in learning more about jazz. One of the questions we answer is the chicken or the egg scenario of whether you should learn the instrument first or the jazz language if you're curious to become a jazz violinist. And we also go very, very deep into classical versus jazz scales and how a jazz musician will practice versus a classical musician. And lastly, we discuss how Matt first got into playing jazz when he was growing up and some of the things that you can do as an adult learner if you're interested in trying it yourself. Personally, I love jazz and I've dabbled in a little bit of gypsy jazz playing, although I am very much a beginner in the genre. So it's very interesting for me to get Matt's perspective as a professional jazz musician who's a very active player in London. Lastly, before we get into our discussion, if you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to leave a rating and a review as this is the best way of supporting the show and helping me to reach new listeners. I also mentioned quite a few recordings in this episode, so if you like to go back and reference things and are curious to listen to some jazz violin, make sure you're signed up for the Violin Class newsletter at violinclass.co slash newsletter. I send a bunch of bonus content and cool things to check out with every new podcast episode. There will also now be blog posts to accompany new episodes, so you can check that out in the show notes if you would like as well. So without further ado, I'm going to let Matt introduce himself and tell us a bit more about what he does. Um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a jazz violinist, uh, improvising violinist, but I'd say it generally in the jazz world, and that's where I think I've had most of my, you could call it training, and where I've spent most of my time in, yeah, the the world of jazz. Uh, I also um, run a podcast called The Jazz Violin Podcast, which I've run for about, God, I actually don't know, maybe four years. And I just interview different jazz violinists about their journey into the whole thing. I teach as well, and a composer, just do it all. Well, try to do it all. Try it all. That's me. We'll be talking more about the podcast later, but for sure, check that out, Jazz Violin Podcast, if you guys are interested in different, not only jazz violinists, but just careers of violinists. I think it's a really awesome podcast, and everyone should listen to it. So I'll link that in the newsletter this week. But before we talk more about your career, what life as a jazz violinist is like, violin has a pretty important important place in jazz history. I mean, as violinists, that might be a little bit biased, but it has a place for sure. <laughs> Matt's like, maybe, um, but it has a place for sure. There's a, a history and a tradition in, into it. So where would we find uh, the most, the highest concentration of jazz violinists, we'll say in those subgenres? Talking of subgenres of jazz, you might find more violinists in the the jazz manouche slash gypsy jazz, that's where a lot of violinists end up because 
the sort of roots of that music are sort of based around string instruments like guitars, basses, and violin. The roots of the music, they come from basically from Django Reinhardt, who was a Belgian guitarist in the 30s, 40s, well, up until the 50s. Are you one of those violinists? You play some music of that style? Yeah, I really, I really love that music. Uh, I, yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about that music and, and like, and thinking about the intricacies that make it what it is and make it different to other forms of jazz and, and just swing from the same era, you know, American jazz. Though I do, I do, I have a lot of other um, loves as well and things that I, I like to pursue. This question might be kind of like, what's your favorite book? Like a hard one, but if someone's never heard of Jazz Manouche and they are interested, are there a few recordings that you re recommend starting with? Yeah, I mean, it does all stem from the music of Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli, Django being the guitarist from back then and Grappelli being the violinist. So the style that exists now it's actually a multifaceted, like it's got lots of little sub sub genres within it. Uh, but you know, that, that music that exists now, uh, it, it all comes from, from that, which is really quite, quite mad. Django was around. He became this huge star, um, all around, all around the world. But you know, in the jazz world, he was a huge star and there's now this like genre that's basically all revolves around him and i don't see i don't really see that in anywhere else you sort of see it with charlie parker in uh sorry anyone who isn't a big jazz aficionado like charlie parker was a sax player and he was around for the birth of bebop which is this jazz that happened in around the 40s in america but you don't see it anywhere. You don't really see it anywhere else. It's really about this one musician, and it's and it's like this certain period in his life where he was playing with acoustic guitar. It's basically acoustic string instruments, right? And yeah, so I would listen to all the recordings of Django and Stefan. Then, other than that, I mean, there's. There's a bunch of really interesting musicians that have come out of that. Violin-wise, people like Florin Nicolescu, um, Martin Limburger, um, Watty Rosenberg, all these are sort of more contemporary musicians who, who play that style. Really amazing, yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, that, 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 that's a decent, I'd say that's a decent view of the, of the style and the Absolutely. musicians. Yeah, links to all those musicians in the newsletter. On the violin side, I mean, you've interviewed a lot of the big names in the jazz violin world. It's a pretty small world, um, but I mean, not being in that, I recognized a whole bunch of people's names and violinists. So for sure, that's a great place to to start is, you know, you'll get the backstory that's true. and can check out their music. Yeah, I mean, because I'm just talking about jazz manouche, like what now, right? But I mean, mm -hmm. the podcast covers... Just everybody who's been, you know, every, everything, basically. Check out the podcast if anyone wants to know <laughs> how vast that sort of thing is. I don't, I don't want to be trying to, like, plug my own podcast. Plug it away. It is, plug it away. It is a good place to find, to find it out. And it's helped me, you know, just, like, see all the different things that there are out there, you know. Yeah.
Yeah, it's a very diverse and it just gives you an idea of just how different everyone's careers end up looking and the music that they play. So kind of on that note, going back to you, um, what's a, a week in your life? I know that's a hard one because every week is different. But if you were to like, I don't know, put a few weeks together and have like a nice average, what does that look like? Well, let's, let, let's, let's try. So I guess if I'm not playing a gig, then I will, and I don't, and I'm not teaching, that means I've got a free day. But if it's a work day, which it often is, then it'll be you get up and you practice and then do sort of admin for the gigs or, you know, admin for recordings that need to be either released or spoken about or sorted out, you know, all this. It's sort of all like life admin, but it's like, guess just like jazz admin (laughs) all that stuff and then if and then maybe i'll so if it's a gig day maybe i'm playing in london where i live maybe i'm playing in a club playing in a jazz club or maybe i'm going on a rural tour so i'm going to play in a village probably in the uk and i'll be playing with uh like one of the bands that i play in regularly probably that i run or that i'm a part of um or if it's the summer, maybe I'm playing with one of my bands at like a music festival, uh, like either a jazz festival or sometimes just like a general music festival. Maybe also I might do some more. Uh, it might be like I might be doing something more classical related now. Uh, not not playing. I'd never really, I don't think I've ever been paid to play classical music and I don't think anyone should ever pay me to play classical music <laughs> unless they're just paying for like a laugh and they just want to, you know, I don't know, like just laugh at me while I play classical music, then they, fair enough, they can pay me. But it, what I mean by classical music is a sort of the job that a classical music, musician might do, i.e. reading and being part of a um, a section Again, I actually don't do that very often, but sometimes I'll do, I'll get asked because I live in this sort of jazz world, so to speak. Um, I will sometimes be asked to, to be in like string sections for more like electronic music or like big productions. Uh, it's always what's funny is I don't read very often. This is a real jazz violinist thing probably, but we don't read very often, but usually when I do read, it's like quite high. Uh, it's, it's usually the like the more, the more like high uh, octane gigs. It's like, or the gigs that are actually the most like sort of stressful, like as in like for the most amount of people or like in the most prestigious places or whatever. And suddenly I'll be reading. Like I never have to do these background reedy gigs. Like I, and I'm sure a lot of classical musicians do, or, you know, playing like uh, string quartet weddings. I never do that because like, I'm just not in that world. And if I was going to do that, if I was going to play in the background in a wedding, I'd probably play with a jazz group. Right. And that'd be my, right. but like sometimes I get asked to do these things that are like quite, quite big because I live in London and have these jazz friends and I'll be like, you know, be playing at the Royal Festival Hall or whatever with like a playing like Duke Ellington's music with a, with a hat with jazz band and uh, like the BBC concert orchestra. And it'll be like, 
right okay i mean i can't really say no to that gig but like <laughs> it's not my absolute forte which is quite fun i like that but uh, i think that's quite a interesting like jazz violinist thing we're not often like the the first call readers but we will sometimes get these like interesting reedy gigs sometimes i'll be playing at a wedding it doesn't happen very often and then also yeah i mean i teach um i teach quite quite a lot i teach for one of the universities here in london and i also teach um at a school as well and then i also teach online i have a like i have a a sort of a group jazz violin class that i teach every week uh, that I started during lockdown I also might be recording or writing music for uh, contemporary dance. That's something that I've been doing quite a lot recently. So I did recording from home or recording at my um, uh, musical partner's house. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we've been working on stuff recently for dance, contemporary dancers or just recording for somebody else's, uh, for somebody else's things again, because I live in this world of jazz I'll off, uh, I end up recording strings for people, different people's uh, projects if they're looking for strings. Anyway, I think I think that's a, otherwise that's pretty much everything that I do. But yeah, I, <laughs> you know, like I said, if that was like if I did all that in all of that in one week, I'd probably be pretty stressed yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, it's like seasons of things. Like maybe in the summer you're touring more, and then the winter yeah. teaching more. To, like, that's how it works for for me at least. But tends to be really common with performing musicians is just wearing many hats oftentimes at least on my end i see a lot of classical musicians or you know early class early as in like just starting out in the classical world and violin who want to learn about jazz or improvisation and it's always a tricky one because in classical music we have all these structures to learn the proper bow hold articulation all these all these really specific things um and i think for a lot of people improvisation feels just like a completely different world it's like oh where do you start how do you learn that not only as a musician but also as a violinist do you think people should learn violin learn classical music for a bit have those skills and then learn jazz or do you teach it the other way where it's just you can start with the violin learn jazz right away what's your approach to that as a teacher we'll be right back after this quick break the Violin Class Podcast is brought to you by my very own private violin studio. If you want to bring your violin playing to the next level, if you find that you're stuck on a certain technique or a piece, you're having trouble making progress, I would love to help you work through whatever challenges that you're working right now on violin. So if you're looking for a violin teacher to help guide you in your progress, or if you're self-teaching, and looking for a one-time lesson to check in and work together to make a plan for your violin playing going forward, I would love to work with you. I've been teaching violin online to adult amateurs of all levels for over a decade, so if you are interested, you can reach out to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or through my website at violinclass.co slash contact. And yes, beginners are always welcome. On that note, let's get right back into the episode. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think if someone came to me and they were like, I don't play any violin whatsoever and I want to learn to play jazz violin, that has happened once or twice. 
And I would often say, we've just got to learn the violin first, I'm afraid. Like, we just have to do that. And I think that there's various reasons for it. One of them being, like, you technically will not be able to do any of the things that you need to do to start learning jazz. But also, if you've not learned music before in any way, shape or form, you're just like, you're not going to understand the concepts. Or you might understand the concepts, but like, that's what they will be. If you have no grounding of like, of ever, ever having played a scale or ever having played a melody or ever having played with someone uh, playing a chord behind you, you don't know what any of that is, but you sort of need to know that stuff to uh, to learn jazz. So, so if you have classical training, you're actually at a big advantage. It's not at all a disadvantage to, to switch over. Definitely. But I mean, how much how much experience do you, like, you know, you don't have to play 10 years before you can dip into jazz, right? What are the foundations do you think are important uh, to have? I think, yeah, you definitely don't have to play 10 years before you play jazz. But I do think that you have to pretty much know how to play. You need to be at the point that you know how to play major scales and minor scales in all 12 keys. Now, that the way we look at scales is a different is different to how classical musicians or classical learners, people who are learning to play classical music, is different to how they might look at scales. A lot of the time especially when I got lessons uh, from a classical teacher when I was younger, the way we look at scales is like something to show whether you've practiced or not. As in like, like it's like they're like exercises. You see, like you learn your G major scale, three octaves, uh, and then you learn your, and you learn your um, F sharp major scale. I'm talking about like associate board, right? Your F sharp major scale. You learn that, that your root, is really really high up on the g string right and that's what that's how that's just what you learn that's where the f sharp major scale is and if you don't know anything about music theory or your music theory is ropey then you're gonna see these scales as like these like completely unconnected um sort of just things and you're gonna be like well the f sharp major scale is very very hard and the g major scale is very very easy or for example, like you might see that you might think that the E flat, for example, the D flat major scale or the E flat major scale, it's like that's quite hard. And the G major scale is really, really easy because you might have learned G major is open G and that's where you find then you go da, 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 da. and you might have learned that D flat major is like second finger up on the G string, right? And it's like, you know, so you just think of them as two two quite separate things, but actually, as jazz musicians, we have to basically learn scales, and we obviously we all have to, right? Once we get to a certain level in classical music, but I found jazz music was what really helped me learn what makes a scale and where all the scales actually lie and how they're all made up and how and actually, you know, basically you can play. And to to learn to play, for example, to learn to play all your scales and arpeggios in one position, right? That's that's actually like sort of like first thing that you might want to be able to do is to be able to play all of your scales in first position. Whereas like 
I don't feel like that happened to me in classical music. I didn't like, am I right? Can I? Can yeah, I- yeah, no, totally. I think this is a really like fascinating, um, and we might be going a little nerdy for listeners, but we're going to roll with it because this is super interesting yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, as far as the, the scales, like you can easily go, I don't know if you're learning Suzuki, like four years without going past like your G major two octave, maybe a minor scale in there. Um, and then, yeah, like we, we learn them as, as patterns generally up into the, the three positions. I like to teach all of the first position scales just because I think it's important to have those foundations, but, um, and scales are super important. Like we play a lot of scales, but you're totally right. Like it's not, there's not necessarily maybe as much thought as like the relationship between notes, more so using them as like a vehicle for practicing different skills, like different bowing patterns or rhythms, things like that. And it's just like a pattern and you superimpose it on different things. Whereas in jazz, it's a completely different animal, I think. And classical people should play them as well because it's really good for your fingers and your brain. For me, I think my... um... Yeah, I I think like I'm just thinking like D flat major. I'm sorry, this is getting quite geeky, but like, no, I, like I don't think I ever was taught how to play D flat major in first position, like the key, it by it by a classical teacher. Now that might be because I didn't ever go too far with classical music, but I did have lessons for a long time, and I think that I I had learned to play. D flat major in is would it be third position second finger yeah it, it would be because generally teachers will go right into the two octave scales so you would you know mm-hmm. I, I like to do them again in the first position before the, the second position or the third position but mm-hmm. yeah you go right into third position and so you would just associate D flat major with, with like oh position. we start on a second finger on the D string yeah. um, and it's a completely different pattern under your fingers in the first position if you're like you know at your level right you're like a you are a you know a top level classical player you can you can read and you can do all you you can play you've gone to you've gone to um you've gone to a conservatoire like that's not going to be the issue so teaching someone who's conservatoire level that stuff like yeah sure but teaching someone who's like maybe learned three or four years classically they're going to find that is a big jump and you're starting to try and see in the way that i see the the violin and it's probably the way a re- good readers see the violin is like i sort of see it like a like a big piano in a way or mm-hmm. i see it like as in like so so for example like a chord is played and i know now like so a g major chord is played and like all of the possibilities that i can play over that will light up in my head or on mm-hmm. the fingerboard in a way i'll be like okay i sort of know and it's so it, it's it's not visual, but it sort of is. It's like done by feel in a way. You just sort of know where all that is. And that's mm-hmm. a th- it's a skill you have to learn. It's not going to, it's not going to come from nowhere. That, that That's the thing is like that, that sort of bare, bo- bare basics of, of like, you basically be, how to become a composer on the spot. You know, and I think if a composer is looking at, if you give a composer a chord and say, write me a melody, they might have that same thing come to them. They might go, okay, well, I know that this chord, this G major chord is this, is this, and I know that it comes from this scale. So all these possibilities are going to 
just flash up in, in my mm-hmm. head and then I'll try them all. And that's what an improviser is trying to do. That's what, that's what jazz musicians try to do, um, which is, I think, very different to what, I guess, what a classical musician or, or the, the role of a classical musician often is not that. It's like, it's like uh, yeah, something's put in front of you and you have to like realize that and make that sound as good as possible, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Totally. And I mean, I think we can only, that can only help us be better at our instruments, whether you play jazz or not, is learning all those patterns in the more jazz style. Because in at least just, I don't know how, how I was taught just the Galamian scale patterns, the three octaves, it's just once you get past B flat all the way up, you're always starting on the second finger and you're always practicing one set of Ah. fingerings. Um, whereas for the first position scales, even though they don't shift as high. So in some ways, I I guess, and technically they could be easier, um, unless maybe they do, uh, shift as high. I might just be making up. You guys do say that that again. Will you like, are the, the patterns, like, do you just shift up all all on the eight and E string instead of starting? Like, like, would you still do like, yeah. Like, let's say if you're doing at an E flat three octave. Like, would you play a three octave scale when you're practicing or would you do like an extension? You'd like kind of go down a fifth into the G string. That makes sense. So I, yeah, I guess like, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, would, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else will know what I'm no, saying. No, I would, I would, yeah. I guess I would practice that three octave starting on second finger in like whatever position that is. Mm-hmm. E flat. I would do that, but I'd be like, I am doing this. I am practicing this today. It, pff, if I was to want to practice E flat, um, practically, uh, to help me play better and to improvise more and to know it better, now I would, let's say I would, maybe I would start, first of all, maybe it depends what I'm working on. So maybe I'm working on trying to get up there, like try to get up up, up really high and, and to, to know my, my higher positions, then yeah, I'll, I'll do it up there. Or maybe I'll do it starting down there and find my, you know, how will I find my way up there if I want to find my way up there? So yeah, maybe I would, I would do it first finger in first position and then change on the A and the E string or whatever. Okay. Or, but that's like that's actually not what that is not probably what that's that's more like what I need to do for myself nowadays right. because I have done my first position work really, really heavily, my third position work, but basically. If I want to learn a scale, I'm not going to learn it from, I'm not going to be worried about where, where the root is any more than I'm worried about where the, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the only reason I'm going to want to, the only, the only, I'm only going to worry about where the root is just to make sure I'm in tune and to make sure I know what scale I'm playing. But actually, I'm not going to start on the root. I'm going to start from the lowest point on my instrument and try and play it on the highest point of my instrument. And I'm going to find ways to get from the lowest point on my instrument to the highest point in my instrument in all ways. Like that's probably what like classical musicians also have to do as well. But it's like actually like that's like lesson number one in a way for yeah. a jazz musician. It's like, look, you're going to have to improvise on the spot and you're going to have to come up with some melodies right and you're going to have to hear them in your head and you're going to have to play them when you hear them in your head so what we're going to what you need to do is you need to know like if i'm playing in e flat major you're actually going to have to know like know it from g on the bottom string to like actually the first thing you're going to have to do is learn it from g 
on the bottom string, yeah, the bottom G, mm. up to the top of first position. That's what I teach all my students is mm. like, hey, if, like we're doing E flat today, so let's just let's play in first position. Start from G, and then you're like, all oh, right, well that makes it quite a funny scale. But it is, you know, you can go into what that scale is, but actually the main thing is like just being able to do that because like i said when i when a chord when an e flat major chord or a chord that comes from the e flat major scale appears in the piece that i'm improvising over i want all those notes to light up right so yeah and then you want to do that in all the positions i don't want to go too far into it but i think the no, first thing it. you're going to do is you're going to do that in 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 first position and i think that's that's really important and it's more important than being able to play e flat in like second finger really high yeah. up on the g string it's like a hundred a hundred times more important because like you're not going to improv no one's improvising up there they they oh, sorry they are and we we do but it's Sometimes. like <laughs> that's like later you know that's like yeah you know you need to know like your teach like you teach uh you know from the beginning let's learn all the scales in first yeah, position yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well we need to do that as well and but we need to do it with a little bit more, maybe a little bit, seeing it more like a framework rather than a, a scale framework. that starts from E flat yeah. to E flat. We just like, hey, you know, these are the notes in E flat major. So like, these are what we have to pick from. Yeah, like and that. it's so cool because like, I don't even know if I could do that off the top of my head. I mean, like, I'm sure it wouldn't take that long to figure it out, but just like yes. to learn all of them and everything, um, like yeah. E flat major starting from, you know, the lowest, I guess from an A flat, like- from G. Yeah, or from a yeah, yeah, yeah. from a G. Yeah, yeah, from all those, you see, yeah, all it just goes to show. Yeah, <laughs> like my like yeah, you yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. to know your theory as deeply. Yeah. Um, whereas if it were put in front of me, you could read it no problem. Um, yeah, that sounds like yeah. a really fun thing, like a good weekend project that I might um, embark that's, on. Yeah, that's what's fun. Hey, you know, yeah. join my jazz violin practice club because we yeah. just do stuff like that. That sounds awesome. Um, but we, it is yeah. That's that's the thing. Actually, you know what I found isn't interesting like that i ended up during lockdown uh just teaching group lessons over over uh zoom every every day actually and oh no no i started three or four times i think four times a week i would do i would do these group lessons and it was just it was just classical violinists it was really interesting it's like sort of just all the classical violinists loaded classical violinists that i'd my about my age who were just like we all had like friends in common so our, like pandemic project Pan yeah, yeah pandemic like project. i'm gonna learn jazz this yeah. is this is the time yeah. <laughs> and it, i think it was it was really fun for people because it's yeah, just sure. like you suddenly get that all oh, right i can sort of it's just good for our brain to think about things differently right like it's a bit like learning the language and then you it just opens things up and it can be really yeah i think it can be really helpful to to it's it's the closest thing to like I know people say like learning music is like learning a language, and, and I think that jazz is like closer to that than classical music. Not that I think that classical music is isn't, um, but I think that jazz really it really is because you basically have to learn your you have to basically learn by um, by listening and hearing hearing the the music as much as you possibly can. Um, so that's one thing, right? And that's you really need that with 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 a language. And I know this because I'm trying to learn a language at the moment. It really does hit home, like how how close they are. You do you, you, so. You got to hear. You got to hear it as much as you can. You got to hear this music as much as you can, and then you um, as well. But then also, that's not going to do. That might not do it 
for you. You can't just hear it and then it's going to work out. After a while, especially with something like French, you're going to have to learn about the grammar because the grammar is pretty, like, it's quite complicated. You can work it out, obviously. Obviously, people, everyone, everyone has, like, French people who just worked it out because they were born and they speak French. No one, you know, they probably didn't have to, to speak, talk through everything, you know, to, to learn the language but like from an outsider like you, you really do have to you know you need to you need to you need to know what why that sounds like that and why that sounds like that yeah and that's just like that you know it's just like that with music you with jazz at some point you sort of might at least need to start talking about it and you know what some people don't learn like that some people don't learn with that theory the grammar the jazz grammar but at some point they will know it and they won't know how they know it, but they will know it. And they might have got there in a different way. They might have learned, they might have got there by listening lots and lots and lots, but now they know the grammar and they could probably explain the grammar to you. You know, I'm sort of going between the two yeah, no, but, <laughs> jazz and language at the moment yeah, when sure. I'm talking about my, uh, my uh, explanation, but yeah, um, I am noticing the, the big, um, you know, big, uh, but it's just very similar. It's just very similar. Um, and it's fun. It's really good. And that's the good thing about the great thing about it is it is like, it's good for your brain. Like the, like one thing that I, as a jazz musician will do, um, is I'll like, I'll take down solos from another jazz musician that I really, um, that I really love. If I love someone's playing, then I'll, I will learn, uh, like their solo maybe not the whole solo but i'll like learn a little bit of their solo over a certain tune that i already know that i you know that i know the harmony for so i'll get to see how this musician thinks right so I'll, you know and it's we call it transcription but we'll you know you'll take down this solo i was just doing it today i was actually doing it with a Django reinhardt solo and i was just taking down this one line that i really that i really like and Jack Django's the guitarist, so it's actually quite difficult to do it on the violin. It makes it <laughs> makes your life difficult doing it when you start to do things by other instruments. But anyway, so what I do is I'll take that line and then I'll I'll think like, well, what is this line? First of all, what's the chord that's being played? And you'll go, oh, okay, well, it's an E seven chord. And what's he playing here? Okay, and and by the power of deduction and also by just like knowing your theory, you'll I'll go, oh, he's playing an A flat half diminished uh, arpeggio all the way up. And that's like, oh, that's a really interesting sound. You know what I'll do today is I'll try and do that. I'll try and, first of all, I'll try and throw that into a solo over a backing track maybe. Or then maybe I'll then start to not just throw this, the whole line, but try and throw that concept in over a solo. So try and play around with that concept, find my own way through that A flat half diminished arpeggio because i'm going to find a different way my technique will just make me do something different to that musician in a way and then then i've got then i've created something myself mm -hmm. that i'm going to play next time i see an e7 chord and that's that's like you know uh, that's sort of what that's where you get to as a jazz musician you start to try and think about things music in that way it's like how do i what do i like i like this okay how do i emulate it and real quick, you know, you, you, you emulate it. Okay, now I've worked out how to emulate it. Like I want to try and do something with that. And that's what's, yeah, that's what's fun. That's the fun part of being a jazz musician.
That's awesome. And I think there's still some parallels, just the way you phrase at the end with classical. It's like, how do I want this to sound? And what do I need to do to get it to sound that way? We're mm. just messing with different things, maybe paying attention to like, okay, let me think about the width of my vibrato on every single note or like the sounding point. Um, but we're not messing with the notes, which does sound very fun. Um, and also, if you're not following along with all the theory, do not worry, because you could have 20 years of violin ex experience and not necessarily follow with the theory, just because in, in classical music, we're just not trained that level as far as theory goes, which is kind of a shame, but it is what it is. Doesn't mean you can't yeah. learn it on your own. Yeah. And like, basically, if, if you know, take away all the words that maybe that are like, that don't make sense to you. And if that still sounds like fun, then, you know, maybe trying out jazz is for you. You know, if the idea of doing that doesn't sound like fun and you just really want to play classical music and you want to like, just try and do that to the, to the, like, to the best of your ability, then yeah, then that's it. But sometimes like everyone's just different, right? So some people, mm -hmm. I think I found it, I don't just, just didn't want to do that. I think I just never, I, I remember getting, you know, classical lessons and it just just didn't feel like super right for me. I just didn't get excited about it. I wonder if like sometimes it's not about like you yourself, but it's like where you're at in your life and like what like where is like wh like what people around you at that time and who are your friends and like what what are they into and where is there like excitement in your life? Is there like is there like a load of really cool people that you love listening to classical music with or like, you know, are your friends into classical music? If your friends are like, I mean, I didn't have any friends in orchestra. That's for me. That's why I probably why I didn't play classical music. I just didn't have none of my friends were in orchestra mm -hmm. and, and that wasn't they just weren't there. And like when I went to the to the city orchestra, I didn't know anyone because my school didn't have music and they were everyone was just like mates and i was like yeah this is rubbish i don't like this this makes me feel this doesn't make me feel good i feel like a loner you know but jazz and and, and learning to improvise there was there was more of a sort of community of people who i knew who were at least playing stuff similar to that and that's that's when that's when i got involved in it you know so yeah that whole thing i was started to say oh it's you know it's di different people are into different things but actually like I'm not even sure if that's it. Sometimes it's really random. It's like, mm -hmm. what's the community like around you and what's what's exciting to you at that time? Because um, I see a lot of people in the jazz world who aren't like, they're not like textbook, like improvisatory people. You know, they're not like people who like, I don't know. They're, like there's some very like serious and very uh, like well-organized and very, I don't know, like not not like open quote, open quote, close quote, jazz, uh, <laughs> what you might think of as a jazz Serial personality. Type. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, no, no, yeah. I'm not sure if it is personality. It's often just about like what you're, yeah. What you're into. You. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about learning as an adult, which I think is what a lot of my listeners are, where, where they're at is you don't necessarily have that community aspect. So you, you have all these avenues online that you can just kind of decide i want to do this and you know join your your jazz group class and mm. um learn that way or it, i don't know it's it's harder in that sense that it's not maybe not 
shaped from your outside things as much, but also you have like the world is your oyster. You can kind of do whatever you want. Um, yeah. If you know and when you're is. an adult, you can make those things happen because you're a bit easier when, than when you're a kid. You can be like, well, actually, I'm really into this music. I think I'll just go to like this this like orchestra and I can I pay for it myself. I'll go to yeah. this, <laughs> this community orchestra that I've decided I want to go to yeah. and meet people there. Or I'm going to go to this. I've got a student who who I, I've been teaching online for, for ages, years. And I just, the moment she started going to jazz jams was the moment she started to work fully. And it, it's really important, that stuff. I, I, I've noticed is like, yeah, it's like making it a real, like realizing it in real life as well. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and that's what's cool about adult learners is we can just like, we can just be like, right, well, I'm just going to make this happen. And and most of the time, like that just always works out for you. You know, you can, you can go and create a new community, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess to wrap it up, it's really like if that's something you want to do, start violin a bit and then then you can do it. You can learn jazz like people are doing it. So, Matt, where can people find you? Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I have a website, but. As much, like like a lot of us, I don't know if well, I don't wanna don't wanna tar you with the same brush as me, but like mm -hmm. I'm already good at uh, <laughs> uh, uh updating my website. We're often a lot better at updating our social media and that's tends to be where you can find me. I'd say the best place to find out what what's going on with me and where you can how you can get involved in anything that I do is probably Instagram. Uh, it might also be Facebook. I mean, I actually, I start, what's funny is I started a, um, oh man, I always give such long answers to questions, but I started a, Take your time. <laughs> I started a, uh, Facebook group in, during, uh, during lockdown as well to try and, um, uh, to try and just find ways to get in contact with more, like people who want to learn jazz violin. I just created a group called Learning Jazz Violin. I didn't really do very much to it, and now it's got quite a lot of people in it. So you can join Learning Jazz Violin on Facebook, and that's the place that I often post what I'm doing, and you know other people can post what they're doing about learning jazz violin, etc. Um, I just yeah forgot, but I forget about that one. But yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and. Uh, that's probably about it. Those are the best place to, to you find You have a my, Patreon my too, right? I do have a Patreon, and Patreon is where you can uh, become a patron of my podcast if you really like my podcast. I mean, actually, first of all, you should go check out my podcast if you're into jazz violin. For sure. It's the best. It is the, it is the best place on iTunes to learn about jazz violin, specifically about jazz violin. I'm not saying the only place. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> One there's of some the great only podcasts. places, I think, but there's some great. There are some okay. other great podcasts. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, I I am one of the main jazz violin podcasts. Right, right. It's like um, six of us in the entire instrument. Yeah, there's not many. There's not many violin podcasts because most of us like don't know how to turn are a playing, mic on or whatever. Are playing violin a lot, also. Yeah, I think it's. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can't be practicing while you're podcasting. But. Exactly. That's that's it. Um, so yeah, and then yeah. So I've got, but I do have a Patreon that I sort of set up as a way to pay to get like yeah people if they want to 
pay a small fee and they get some added extras and just to sort of help me along with uh, with the podcast other than that as well on there you can get involved in my my group classes because i do still run the group classes i run I run them every monday 6 p.m uk time and but they are better for they've they've they've, they've become uh more of a place for people who sort of already have an idea of what's going on with jazz violin because i've I um, it's just that's what it ended up morphing into. It started as a thing in lockdown when I was just giving people new things to do. But usually these were people who had thought about improv to some way, to some degree, to some degree before. Um, but I was also giving like how you know classes there, group classes on like how to improvise over a simple tune in a simple way. And I'm mm-hmm. not doing that anymore. I'm actually, I've I've uh, I've changed it a little bit to being just about these uh i basically we basically practice um we we practice repetitive uh sort of similar to what we were talking about you know how do we get to learn mm-hmm. a scale better and how do we how can we decorate a scale as well we decorate scales um in certain ways as jazz musicians so and, and that we do it in quite methodical ways where you can do it you can think about it in a quite methodical way the way we decorate scales and the way that we learn scales so my group classes are now just me going through these interesting sort of creative ways around scales and arpeggios and how i decorate them and how and basically it's me just practicing that and people can come and practice along with me and it's a it's a really good for your ear and it's really good for your musicianship but it's it's not as theory based or as like how to play jazz 101 sort Mm -hmm. of thing it's now more like just how to be creative with scales that's 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 tends to be what it is it's very practical you basically sign in you sign in to zoom and i'm just sort of going through and you're using your ear and your sort of understanding of the of the concept to play along with me and yeah it's it's worked wonders for people by the way i'm not trying to be too uh i don't want to be too upselly here and this will be my last sell but um it's worked it really has helped some people some people have said to me that it's really helped them become um more fluent in jazz and more fluent in their just in scales and arpeggios so yeah um yeah awesome so definitely check that out you know i'm sure someone that's listening has you know enough experience to is looking exactly for that so check that out yeah if that's something that could interest you i will link all of those things thank you so much matt for taking the time i hope that you enjoyed this conversation with matt as much as i do Again, if you didn't follow all of the chord and scale theory stuff, don't worry. I think that a lot of professional classical violinists wouldn't either. The big takeaway really is that jazz is a different language and has you thinking about music in a very different way than classical, but it is an art form that's just as complex and interesting and beautiful as classical violin. If you'd like to know more about Matt, I've linked all of his information in the show notes as the time of me editing this he's just come out with a wonderful new single called learn to draw which is for a string ensemble and he also is posting a lot of educational content on his youtube channel again all of those things will be linked in the show notes if you'd like to give them a listen if you're looking for some practice ideas to improve your technique whether you play classical or jazz violin I've put together my ultimate violin warm-up guide for adult learners 
If that's something that you're interested in getting, it's a free download. You can go to my website at violinclass.co slash warmups. And I hope that will give you a framework to help you practice your technique in an efficient way. That's something that you'd be able to apply to any genre of music. That's it for this week. Again, if you enjoyed this week's episode, please leave a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And otherwise, I will be back in two weeks with another interview, this time with one of my former students who shares how she went from having almost no musical experience to playing violin in a band in just a couple of years of practicing. So that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. So thank you for listening and I will catch you at the next one.